I mean, <laughs> we're getting like the I think like the biggest rivalry rivalry that I know of between two teams. Like obviously, there's got to be some jabs. I, I you guys behaved really well last last week, so um, uh, I'll <laughs> that's fair. It. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're going to go ahead and, I guess, pretty much move into part two of the NCDA uh, Championships recap. Um, and joining me once again, um, and needing no introduction, is Felix Peroni and Kevin Bailey. Guys, thank you so much for hopping on again. And, um, man, what a weekend. It, it, from the recap that I took with uh, Hunter and um, Colin and his buddies, it just sounded like pretty much like what you guys hyped up. It sounded like a pretty incredible event. And, um, you know, before I go on, Felix, like what, what are your thoughts? Like now that it's over with, um, are you relieved? Um, like just kind of, what's it feel like over there? Yeah. Um, I'm really happy that, that everything went smoothly. Um, I was surprised that on Saturday we only, I think we finished like 20 minutes behind schedule, which is pretty incredible for how many games we had played. So there were a total of 33 games played on Saturday, 21 played on Sunday. Um, had, a, had a few injuries, but um, nothing people won't co- recover from or won't keep them from recovering from. Um, so your, your typical dodgeball injury, unfortunately, it's just kind of yeah. par for the course. Yeah, pretty much. But um, yeah, no, everything went great. We, we had a, a new team, uh, University of Cincinnati. They played their first nationals this year. So we we're pretty excited. They got their first win uh, this weekend as well, and um, we just we saw a lot of positive results. But I think the best thing that came out of this weekend was the the stream from Mad City. They did an excellent job. I was not prepared for the amount of equipment they they brought and how much um, like how professional it was. It was it was absolutely insane. It, it looked it looked awesome. It looked very polished and um, seen. Anyways, we, I made the joke earlier about how we're not going to compliment Kevin, but seeing Kevin's get up because I, I was watching some of the finals when I could. I mean, it looked like a like a freaking sports cast. Um, and I, I know I talked about back in like two thousand six, seven, seeing this on Fox uh, Sports Network, but it looked like a legitimate sporting event. Um, and that's, I mean, I, I guess that's what they bring to the table. Um, Kevin, what, what was that like? Just just uh, commentating. Was this your first time doing that, or? Can you kind of walk me through that a little bit? Yeah, it was uh, it was a really interesting experience. And like Felix said, they blew us away with just the amount of equipment and just what they brought brought to the table for us. But I've commentated in the past just in, on one of those, you know, smartphone streams that we would have uh, various things like that. But this was just so much higher level and, and they – they brought in so many different things. They gave us a bunch of different camera angles, as you saw, and then they even brought in a guy named Gar, who was uh, a legitimate uh, commentator to help make it more, uh, I guess, professional. So overall, it went way better than any of our expectations for the Mad City stream. So we couldn't be happier with how well we worked with them and, and the amount of effort they put into it it was amazing and the professionalism that they they brought to the table um yep. i was gonna ask gar I, I have not heard that name so he was just a complete outsider from dodgeball like he hasn't played before 
Yeah, yeah he was. So, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, they brought him in uh, just because he is a color commentator, and the the idea was let's have someone who is comfortable enough to ask a lot of questions and to keep the conversation flowing, but is uh, they don't know enough about the sport where they're going to be asking the same kind of questions that people who That's may right. be tuning in for the first time um, they would be asking. So I think it really worked out. He was excellent at his job, um, and I I never do this, but I have to give props to kevin as well i was going back and watching some of the stream and i think even even kevin did a good job this Ooh. weekend with with commentating and what i was most surprised with was how neutral he was able to be during the the championship match when his alma mater was playing and it, n nothing slipped it wasn't like you were you were actually rooting for grand valley so that's the, that's the only time I'll ever compliment you in your life. So and it's recorded. Store, so you'll have store this that away forever. <laughs> uh, was that hard, Kevin? Like just just you know comment. What, what's the term? Is it commentating? Is that even a is that a word? Yeah. Okay. So was commentating for your team difficult? Like we were you able to pull yourself out of that and um, and and present an unbiased account of what's going on? Because again, man, you sounded really good. Um, I didn't detect any bias at all, and I just wondered, like, how hard is it for him to restrain that? But what was that like, watching your team? Well, thank you, and and yeah, um, going back to kind of what Felix said, Gar did an amazing job uh, to sort of set it all up to be such a great uh, commentary dynamic between the two of us. And the day before he showed up for day one of nationals, and we sort of had to just download everything for him in terms of his his knowledge of our sport uh so it was pretty exciting to like watch him learn from a bunch of different alumni as he was watching games and figure out how how the game is played and how exactly we commentate it he watched us commentate some games just on on our iphones pretty much so dang but yeah yeah um day two when i when i was commentating it was definitely tough when it was grand valley and I don't know. I don't want to get into that too much, but it was it was hard um, for me to watch GVSU lose because, as as an alumni, I obviously was pulling for them. But at the same time, and this is something I've mentioned to some thousand alumni since since then, um, as a member of the NCDA board, it was the best thing for our for our league was to see a team like Towson win the championship. So. While I was really sad for Grand Valley at the same exact time while I was commentating, that was me genuinely being excited because it was such a monumental moment for our league and especially for uh, that team that uh, I watched them develop from being a, one of the worst teams in the league and an absolute afterthought to uh, the leaders of the team just sticking with it and getting to the point where they were able to compete for a national championship. So. I was genuinely excited for them, so it wasn't like it was me trying to be fake in any way. It was just me having to sort of separate those two different emotions of me being sad for my own team and happy for someone else. Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's a tall order. I mean, and to be able to, you know, differentiate, you know, your personal bias versus what's good for the organization and be proud of, you know, Townsend's accomplishment, that's awesome, man. Um you know, obviously talking to them during the recap, they, they were still pretty excited. And, and, you know, from the kid's dorm or, or his apartment, they looked like they were still celebrating the victory a couple of days after the fact. And, um, huh. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've got nothing but good things to say about it. Um, I, I, I wish I could have just seen it from, from the beginning. Um, you know, talking to you guys really hyped me up for it. And uh, it gave me people to, to care about. And it, 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 and even with the recap, I, I just feel like I know more about the schools and their history. And I'm already looking forward to, to next year and whether I can, you know, fly out and watch in the stands or tune in. Hopefully Mad City will come back or, or something similar will be there. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm bought in. Like you guys really sold me on this. And I hope that um, people on the outside can look at this like we would be watching, you know, college football or college baseball. And yeah, it's beyond, you know, our, you know, I'm obviously way too old for NCDA, but I can still appreciate the game. And um, it, it's just fun to watch. It's, it's very different. And, um, you know, the, the angles that were provided allowed you to kind of feel what was going on. And again, the commentary was just like, I might as well just be there and, and understand what's going on. So it was, um, it was really great. And the scar person to, to come into something he does not know and seem like he's been there um, since day one was, was pretty impressive too. Uh, does he... Does he do like other events for Mad City? Like, is he just a, a constant? Is he constantly doing other sports, or is there any more information about this guy, or like, will we see him again, or do you know anything about him? Uh, all I know is that he's from the Chicago area, and that he he was a swimmer in college. Uh, but hmm. other than that, I, I don't really know too much about him. So um, we keep mentioning Mad City. I definitely want to also give a shout out to the production company that partnered with Mad City. So it was. Mad City in partnership with Mainstream Media. And Mainstream Media is actually the ones that brought um, uh, Gar with them. Okay. And they, they found him on like four days notice. Before that, yeah. we didn't, we didn't yeah. even have anybody like that. And they just thought like, hey, I think this will be a good idea. And we've got a friend who does this and is free that weekend. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Oh, this guy's really cool. I'll have to look him up on... The social media and uh, you know, before you get too, too into you know, rabbit holes and whatnot, um, part of the reason why I wanted to round out part two with, with you guys is because um, you know, as, as key personnel, board members and whatnot to the NCDA, I, I kind of just wanted to ask like, what's next and, and kind of get your perspective on you know, some of the things that I don't think um, the players themselves were able to cover. And so one of the things I wanted to know, actually, so I, I think I've been wrong this whole time, it's, is it is it National Collegiate? not college yeah collegiate yeah I, i've gotten big bold letters like collegiate like i just had to clear that up and i feel like an idiot now because i've been uh, saying we technically go by both but yeah okay i'll be forgiven uh, if i say either one college okay it gets the, the point across <clears throat> yeah i saw on the on the website i was like oh my god this whole time <laughs> but um well let's let's talk uh, about uh they mentioned in the recap um there were some MVPs, like they said, our, our, our take on the MVP of the game or who we feel is the MVP, um, and threw out some names, but um, can you guys kind of talk about uh, how that works? Like, when are we going to find out who the MVPs of the championships were and uh, what that process looks like? Sure. Um, yeah, so we will, the actual list, the All-American list and MVP will be announced in a couple weeks. We don't have a set date just yet. Um, but basically, our, uh, our process for that is every single team that's in the league, whether they attended nationals or not, they are given one ballot, basically. So every team gets to list uh, their top 12 ranked in order, uh, the top 12 players in the country based not off nationals, but based off the entire season as a whole. Um, and once we have the votes from every single team, we will uh, calculate it out and get the top 12. In fact, we actually do... The top 24, and we have a first team and a second team that we have announced. Um, 
Yeah, so that'll be, we don't have a set date for it yet. We'll announce that soon, but uh, it'll be within the next couple of weeks while it's still fresh in everyone's minds. Gotcha. So MVP slash All-American, is that one and the same? Or like, what, what's the official term for it that you guys call it? Yeah, so technically it is the All-American team okay. is what will be shared. And just the, the number one team or the number one player on that list is given the MVP award for the season. So that's how we've done it since, I believe, 2011. Yeah. Gotcha. 2012, actually. Okay, that's pretty cool. So it's it's not determined on that day, like oh, so and so is doing really well, so boom MVP. It, it's it's got a, a process that um, you know your peers kind of elected you, and um, mm-hmm. you kind of go through the motions that way. Um, are there any front runners, yeah. any names that we can talk about that are looking good, or is that still too soon to tell? Um, it I we have like a sort of a list that the content team, whoever's writing articles, maybe they're doing podcasts, whatever it might be, uh, we'll mention throughout the year. So we sort of have a good idea. Um, I would say in my personal opinion, I would give Brandon Meisel from Grand Valley the MVP award uh, based off his body of work throughout the entire season. Um, So yeah, that would be my pick. I know I'm a bit biased in that area, but outside of him, I would say Austin Breggy, who... uh, he plays for Central Michigan. It was his final season as well, along with Meisel. Uh, I, I think that he shot up into the MVP consideration based off how well he played at Nationals. Um, so those would be my top two by far. Uh, and then there would be a little bit of a gap before the next group of people. Um, and I should mention, Meisel plays for Dynasty. So there's my bias a little bit, but... Gotcha. Uh, Austin Breggy actually plays for Notorious. I'm not sure if you are too aware of that team. They, they play in Elite as well in the North region. Oh, yeah. They look like a bunch of bruisers, those guys. Yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. them. So, yeah, he had a really, really good year. Um, so I would put him up there. And, and outside of those two, a couple others that deserve mentioning would be Tom Arand, who basically restarted the club at Miami University. They They went defunct, and he kind of – brought them back to life, and had a phenomenal season. Uh, and he's a junior. He plays for Ohio Legacy in Elite. Oh, nice. uh, and then besides him, I think uh, Jordan Watt, who was the top player for Towson. I'm sure you heard his name yesterday. Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask about yeah, him. He's great. He has a cannon of an arm. Uh, I wouldn't say he was the MVP at, at, as much as Meisel or Breggy might have been, but he definitely deserves to be in that top five without a doubt. Um, and I, I think that some people will give him MVP votes. Mm-hmm. And then one more would be Kyle Bruce from Saginaw Valley. Uh, and that was his last tournament as well. He plays for Notorious. Um, but he had, he had a great year. He's, he's so good at uh, in the transition, the big, big full court dodgeball that we play. He's so good at when he's backpedaling, being able to just drop to his knees and make a catch, no matter where the throw's located. He's so good at that, and he was a crucial part of Saginaw Valley's success all season. Nice. Um, when I was watching um, the finals, I, I recognized Ben Smart from um, from Grand Valley. Yeah. Um, he he played with us. Um, he played with us in, on Grit last year. He was just like a last minute pickup, uh-huh. and. Uh, 
it's funny because we're like we're like, well, is this, is this guy gonna be any good? And um, you know, my captain on he said, yeah, he plays um, he, he plays NCDA. I was like, oh, this guy's good to go. Like he's probably not afraid of anything. <laughs> he can handle the crap that you guys sling at him. And um, it was awesome watching him scoop up um, just catch after catch after catch, and then just kind of throwing it out there like it's like you're welcome <laughs> to his teammates. And yeah. um, there was there was a couple of games where you could tell he was still kind of getting used to the like the proximity of elite and the fact that you know the, the course um, it, it's only six v six and whatnot. But I think after like our third or fourth game, he was just his wants, he was just catching everything. Um, it was awesome playing with him, and I think he's actually um, playing with grit uh, a little bit this season. But um, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout out because watching him earlier this day, or earlier today, I was like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Like I play with him. Um, yeah, and that's a testament to the. Like the transferability of skills from from one court to the other, but um, yeah, you just you just triggered my memory there. But um, so I, I won't say like they're your picks, but just your your input was um, Austin Breggy. You said, yeah, I would say Mizla at one and Breggy at two. Those would definitely be my top two, though. They both played phenomenally. Nice, uh, Breggy especially at nationals did did a great job. Very cool. Uh, yeah, Ben Smart. I would put Ben Smart in my top 12, definitely. Uh, I wouldn't say he's in the MVP consideration yet, but yeah. I mean, he's, you'll, enjoy, you'll enjoy this um, story. So he actually learned about dodgeball through SkyZone when Dynasty would go to SkyZone Grand Rapids and practice. And it was while he was still in high school. Um, of course. And that's kind of how he got into it, and he found out that Grand Valley had a team from there. So that's kind of what got him into dodgeball was just – uh, through the UDC, having teams like legitimate dodgeball teams go to Sky Zone to practice, and it kind of is helping grow the sport. And I think it will continue to because there's so many kids that have learned of the sport through that. So that's pretty cool to see. That is awesome. And what a time to like enter the dodgeball scene. Like you, you see it maybe on YouTube or through UDC at one of those centers and you just um you just walk right into your local college and there's a there's a club there that's been around for for years is looking as just like the best team out there just championship after championship after championship and you just hop on in next thing you know you're uh, you're going to elite um you're going to you know these streamed games um that's that's definitely and felix you could probably attest to this that's it's kind of like a win for us old guys for all the crap we had to go through to see dodgeball kind of get legitimized, but uh, mm-hmm. to see it through the the, player, the eyes of a new player, a younger player, is pretty awesome. And yeah, uh, it's it's crazy that dodgeball is available now because when when we were starting out, you had to seek it out, and it was it just wasn't a good option. Like most of the time, it was just like uh, these terrible little pickup games or rec leagues that they just had like angry dads and <laughs> yeah. retired firefighters at and that was it yeah just the the dark days the, the barnstorming days as, as we call it um mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll definitely have to you and i talk, talk about that um, and just see what it was like <laughs> for for your region and get an og panel going but um what about you felix do you have like a, a top five that you wanted to kind of sh- shout out or or talk to um i would definitely say that my top two would be Meisel and Tom Morand. Uh, the reason I say Tom Morand in my top two is because he is a pivotal point of for his team. I think that without Brandon, Grand Valley would still be successful. Without Tom, Miami would not be successful. Hmm. Um, he he is 
I, I feel as if he is 35, 40% of that team. Um, he's an excellent player. Um, he is, he's dedicated to the game. He practices a lot and he practices both styles elite and NCBA. And he's dedicated to continuing in the off season. Um, and so I, I really feel like he is a strong front runner for MVP in my in my mind. Um, the other options that Brandon mentioned, or sorry, not Brandon, that um, Kevin mentioned are good too, Austin and um, Jordan. I didn't really see Kyle or Saginaw play this weekend, but um, I know historically he's always been very consistent. So I, I definitely agree with that as well. Awesome. Yeah, I um. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm curious when this comes out, and and uh, we'll see like who who picked it. But I I just have a feeling it's gonna be one of the one of the five that Kevin listed off. So mm-hmm. one thing that came up in the um, in the conversation yesterday was, and I kind of just wanted to get your quick take on it. Um, and we can start with you, Felix. But we we talked about like I guess um, the East had a more significant showing, or at least that's what, uh, what what Colin was saying. He was proud to see that. Because uh, usually, I think like the north, especially like the Michigan areas, it would be considered like the powerhouse. So, you know, how like with elite, we can say uh, I might get crapped on for this, but I would I'd be so bold to say when it comes to just regular eight point five, the West pretty much has like it. I would say we're the strongest. So, um, without opening up that can of worms, what would you say would be like the stronger region uh, for the NCDA or or state or or area? I still think Michigan, uh, the state of Michigan, is definitely um, far and away better than the other regions just as a whole. Um, but, I mean, the East Coast is definitely coming up. They have very strong programs in, actually, in all the schools, really. UVA is still developing, uh, Virginia. But, I mean, other than that, Towson, obviously, they just won the championship. James Madison is, has been a... They've been a top four contender every year since 2012. Um, Maryland had a really, really good showing this weekend. Uh, Maryland used to be a, a pushover team, but they kind of went out there and surprised a lot of people this weekend. And I was really happy to see that because I know that they have a lot of guys that are graduating this year. And so I'm interested to see what the team looks like next year, but they they surprised the heck out of me. And then I'm sure you heard about this with with Hunter, but Virginia Commonwealth they they went three and zero, winning three overtime games on Saturday, and they played three people down all day. Didn't have any substitutes. That was absolutely incredible. If they had had a full squad, I, I really feel as if they would have um, done. They would have gone long a lot further yeah, into the they, bracket than they did. They seated sixth, right? And uh, yeah, to do that undermanned and. Um, yeah, that was a pretty awesome, awesome feat. Um, it's kind of a, it's a bummer because, like, yeah, like you said, I wonder what it would look like if they had a, a full squad because they definitely seemed gassed uh, come Sunday. But yeah. um, as far as Saturday goes, yeah, that was a, that was a great showing. But like the the whole NCDA, and we we did a a short ceremony at the end of the semifinals where we honored the 2009 Grand Ra- Grand Valley dodgeball team they went 111 and zero in points for the year they were undefeated um, they were absolutely incredible they were monsters at the time and um, so we, we honored some of the 
older members who were there and um i asked their captain kelvin coster who plays on task force formerly on kraken um and i asked him i said what's what's the biggest difference in the ncaa between now and then in 2009 when they played and he said the parody he said every team is good now he said obviously you have some that are in the top four but we don't have nearly the number of pushover teams that we used to back in the day. Um, when I first started in the NCDA, I was at Western Kentucky and we were a pushover team for sure. Um, teams would schedule games against us because they knew they would get the win. <laughs> and then uh, over the years, we, we eventually became like third in the country and we did well in the 2011 season, but um but there aren't as many pushover teams anymore. It's everyone's taking dodgeball more seriously. They're, they're playing an elite. They're playing other forms, staying active in the off season, realizing that watching game footage is, is a huge uh, benefit. Yeah, so, thought, uh, watching game footage in practice makes you, makes you better. What a, what a concept. And then working out now and, and conditioning, you know, just good old hard work. Go figure. Um, what about you, Kevin? What, what were your thoughts on like the regions? And, and the point of this is not really to, to be like divisive or, or say one region is better than the other. It's just to kind of, you know, for people like myself, like, you know, how, to get excited when a team like Towson from the East wins or, or from a different region. So it's just kind of helping me kind of understand the scene a little bit more. I, I would agree with what Felix said. It, it's kind of crazy to, to say, you know, our final four had three Michigan teams in it, and yet the East Coast was the big winners from from nationals. But that's the truth. Um, the The NCDA has historically just been absolutely dominated by the Michigan region, and I think that the Michigan, I think that at nationals, we're averaging about three Michigan schools per year that make the final four. Mm-hmm. But just as a whole, kind of like what Felix said, it's been awesome to see that middle of the pack of the NCDA sort of improve and become no longer pushovers. And all those East coast teams were exactly that this weekend. They were, they were improved and they were better than what teams may have expected them to be. Whether it was Towson who ended up winning the whole thing all the way to VCU, a team that VCU was a team that was really doubted heading into nationals. Same with Maryland and both of them came up with huge wins. Uh, on the weekend. And then even to think that the second best team in the East wasn't even at nationals, the East coast still had an amazing national. So it's exciting because it just means that I guess you could use the word parody because that's, that's kind of where we're headed with NCDA. It's not what it was in the past where there were a few teams that were the sure thing going to win every single game. We saw grand Valley and, on day one of nationals go into overtime against Ohio and Ohio is a team that my final year in 2016, they went 0 and 29. So it's just absolutely crazy to see how, how much teams are starting to improve and it's exciting for the future of the sport. That's awesome. And I think, uh, I think Colin mentioned that match. He said um, that was one of the, yeah, I think that was one of the matches where like everybody kind of just froze and just wanted to see what was going to happen because that was going to kind of set the tone for the weekend. It's like, is Ohio going to beat uh, Grand Valley? And um, 
I mean, that's that's what yeah. you want, you know, from from an outside perspective, without your own your own bias or, or your own pulling for your team to win. Like you, you want to have, I imagine, uh, that parity, and you want to have every every final is going to be it, it could be anybody's game. You don't want teams to necessarily get steamrolled. So that's probably. I mean, that, that's that's what we all want. I mean, even with elite, like we we it wants we want it to be like the best competition available. So when when you see mm-hmm. like four or five teams dominating everybody else it's like well this is this is kind of getting old so yeah. yeah i mean even like i think those games like uh grand valley and ohio in overtime and then vcu beating central michigan in overtime i really feel like it also it teaches a lesson to the top teams that they can't they can't just mess around yeah. with with people with other teams that they think are a sure win because I, I can't speak for the Grand Valley game, but I know that Central Michigan, when they played Virginia Commonwealth, they decided to play a point where all they wanted to do was go for catches. And so they weren't trying to hit anybody. They were just trying to make catches. And then that game got away from them. They lost the point, then they lost the next point, and then it went overtime. And um, Virginia Commonwealth, they didn't just beat Central Michigan in overtime. They dominated them. Virginia Commonwealth never had less than six players on the court. They had all six in the entire time because they caught everything. I think they caught five balls and hit one person out. Um, and so it's just it's a good lesson that the parity in the in the league is is it's flattening. And so these top historically top teams can't take other teams um, lightly. Definitely. Yeah, I would say one more thing on top of that. I think that some of the changes that the league has made over the last couple of years is sort of helping with that to even the playing field and sort of just make the game more dynamic where it, it can be anyone's game and it's not going to just be a the better team scores a point and then they lull you to, to sleep by stalling it out. I think that us going to the dirty blocking rule uh, or clean blocking rule, the same as what Elite has a little bit, uh, and then shortening the roster size from 15 down to 12. Um, rules like that are sort of helping even the playing field a little bit, and it's it's kind of speeding up the process of, of our league reaching that sort of parity that uh, is going to help us continue to grow. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I do want to ask more about like what's next for, for the NCDA, but before I do that, just want to quick ask you guys, like what was your, your favorite match or like your favorite moment? Um, and, and you can start with this one, Kevin, uh, from this weekend, or, or you, can, you can even go into the season. Just like, what was your overall favorite? Um, let's do moment. Yeah. Um, favorite moment from the season as a whole would be a tournament at Akron university that was uh, titled war in that was my favorite moment because there were such a variety of teams there uh, from every different region, it seemed. And there were some games that just went down to the wire. There were several games on the main court that went down to the last second or two. Um, and it was awesome just because we had a live stream going that whole day and we caught so many of the best games. Uh, it was actually two days long. And that was, that was sort of the point in the season where it just made everyone get super amped for – the rest of the year just because they saw some of these teams that usually wouldn't be able to compete with those Michigan schools being able to uh, hang with them. So that was awesome. And then from nationals itself, I would say Grand Valley's final four game against central Michigan will be my favorite moment because 
the stands were packed and, and it was so loud there. Uh, cheering on both of those teams was awesome to watch everyone there. So uh, I didn't have to commentate that one. We had someone else up there for that. So I got to sit in the stands with some alumni and friends and it was just cool to um, sort of get that experience with them because it was such a fun game to watch and, and the crowd was going wild the whole time. That's awesome. So you actually got to, to cheer for them and, and enjoy it and, and, and be completely biased. Exactly. That, yeah. I had to use it all up in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Just expend it while he could. Yep. That's, that's one thing I'm realizing is, is really awesome. Like with these, these, uh, college-based teams, like they're, you know, if everything goes well, they're, they're going to be around a couple of years down the road. Whereas, you know, with elite teams they are always rebranding. So it's kind of hard to be like, Oh, I'm gonna go watch, you know, um, my team that I used to play on five, five, six years ago. Uh, that doesn't really exist. So to have like an actual, like lineage, I guess for lack of better words, to to know that um, Grand Valley is gonna have, you know, alumni cheering for them, and you know, like oh, that was my my squad back in the day. Like that, that's that's pretty much like creating like a legacy. And I, I think that's one thing that I really wish Elite would have more of. You know, with the exception mm-hmm. of some of the longer standing teams, but like even Doom, I mean, they were around for several years and they decided to disband. And I think the longest lasting team right now is Rise. Um, that team, I, I'm pretty sure, will last for for a while. But uh, yeah, mo- most teams come and go within a couple of years. They rebrand themselves and they try something else, but they don't have that. Um, they don't just stick. So that's one dynamic yeah. that I think is really cool that, um, that you guys have. And um, what about you, Felix? What was what was your favorite moment? Um, for this past year i really 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 enjoyed the central and grand valley game that in the final four that was i feel like that was dodgeball at its purest it was it was a great game because central did not play their best on saturday and going into the game the uh my friend who i was sitting next to said i think this is going to be grand valley 5-0 on central easy Hmm. and um and Central really showed up to play, and it was it was incredible watching the the game unfold. And um, not only that, but like Kevin said, the atmosphere was great because both teams had a lot of fans in the stand. Um, it didn't matter who got an out; the there was a good cheer from the crowd, and that just amps everyone else up. Because then the next hit uh, from the opposing team, their fans are going to try to cheer louder, and so it was. I mean, I hate using this term, but it was, it was like a legitimate sporting event right? and yeah. it just awesome. created that, that excellent environment. And even for me, I, I didn't go to either of those schools. I don't have any type of tie to either of them. And it was just, it was just good dodgeball to watch. Yeah. I, uh, I invited some buddies, um, that I knew from Grand Valley that play, you uh, friends? like ball. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a, Surprise to most people. Huh. Yeah, they play. Ball. I don't know if you know what spike ball is, but they play that sport and uh, sport like ultimate frisbee stuff like that. So I invited them to come. I was like, "You guys should come watch nationals. You go to Grand Valley. It's right there." And they, uh, so one of them came by and was sitting next to me during that game. And and he goes, "If I would have known dodgeball was this exciting, I would have tried out for the team freshman year." And I was just like, "That's exactly the type of." thing that we want to portray when we have tournaments is I, we want it to be something where all these other kids all of a sudden become excited about the sport just by watching us so 
that was like a rewarding moment for me personally, but that's awesome that uh, our, our league was able to have that type of an impact on people. That is really cool. And I, I think you guys said it too last week. It's like, dang, I wish I'd known about this, you know, a couple of years ago. And obviously that's something that you want to, uh, to, to, I don't want to say prevent, but you know, you, you want people to know it's, it's available. And just like Ben smart, you can just hop out over to your university and boom, you're in it. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's gotta be a good feeling. Just, uh, if I had known about this, like I would have, I would have done it and maybe ditched spike ball or, when I, I I don't know why I hate spike ball. I think it's just because like as a as a former league organizer, if it would kill me if I saw anyone doing something other than dodgeball. So like if we're trying to play pickup <laughs> and and half the, half the team or half the group is playing basketball, like what the freak are you guys doing? Like you know we're paying money for this gym. Get your get your, get your bus back here and play dodgeball. And um, I've seen it happen a few times with the engine catch him busting out with spike ball. I'm like, dude, come on! Like we're trying to play dodgeball here. Stop stop stealing. Stop stealing the crowd. It's bad enough that we have sure. to compete with uh, conventional sports. Then you bust out with this weird thing. But, um, yeah, tweets their own. Um, so that was your favorite match. Uh, does that qu- constitute your favorite moment too, Felix? Or do you have, like, another favorite moment for the entire season? Um, actually, that one was my favorite moment for the season too. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a close second. Uh, there was a game at Akron earlier this year i think it was in like october and university of university of kentucky they had a a pretty bad or not bad but they had pretty drastic rebuilding year this year and so it was really cool seeing their new members just getting used to the game and i don't know why i like that but i like when teams kind of have like a refreshing year because um, yeah. You get to see new new people on the court and different personalities. You get to see how the team's going to look in the next few years. And I saw a lot of promise from that team. And as long as those freshmen and sophomores stick with it, I really feel like Kentucky could be a uh, a top eight contender in the next year or two. That's awesome. Um, so it, it's unfortunate Jacob couldn't make this because I know this is his his lane. Um, you know, but we're talking about like. If, if these teams can just stick with it and um, you know develop themselves, and we want to catch people where they say, "Oh, I wish this was here during my time," um, I, I definitely wanted to get into recruiting a little bit and um, just see what it, what it takes to to make this happen. So, last year, um, I think as a result of our conversation um, with you two, I got in contact with Jacob Lesky, and um, you know, I was like, "Hey, I'm myself. I'm not a, a student anymore." But what could we do to, to bring the NCDA to ASU and ultimately like U of A down in Tucson? Because um, I, I tried that in the past, and I, I think back in like 2006, I was able to get uh, the University of Arizona to recognize us as a club, but um, we just could not find a venue. So th- there's a couple of hangups that I kind of wanted to talk about and just see like what, um, what the solutions are or what resources do you guys provide to help people like me who, who want to, to help spread the NCDA our way, um, and not, not just here in Arizona, but just, you know, anywhere in the Northwest, in the West, or, or what have you, but um, can you kind of talk about that a little bit, or do you guys feel like we can go there, or do you want to, like, include Jacob on that, or how do you want to tackle that? Yeah, um, uh, I can I can definitely speak to some of it. I know that Jacob has his own ideas, um, right. but I know what he, what he does with the team, so a lot of starting up a club is a, it's a big deal. There's so much that goes into it and it's daunting. So a lot of people have the mentality of, yeah, I'll just start a club. And then 
they get into it and they realize how much work it is. And that's where it fails is usually in the first few weeks. Um, what Jacob is very, very good at is staying on top of people and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So even just having someone that's there as like a coach, um, just to say like, all right, you just did this great. Now here's your next step. And then he will, Jacob will call you every day until you do your, your next step. So he's just a good, um, person that nags others and make sure that they're doing what they can to start up the club. Um, so once they, they've kind of broken that seal and they've had their first few practices and get, um, I would say a, a core five or six people is really important. So once you have those core five or six people, um, that are coming to practice consistently, then that kind of spreads and other people will start to come more consistently. And then, uh, then you have people that are just willing to, to compete and that want to compete. So Jacob is really good about staying on top of that and making sure that the teams have the resources available to them, answering any questions, giving suggestions on how to run practices, certain drills, um, even like where to buy balls, where they're the cheapest online. Um, if, if the sport club department has questions about dodgeball because it, it is so uncertain to a lot of people, um, he'll be happy to jump on a call with the sport club director and just kind of answer all of their questions. So really just him being a liaison is, it's crucial. That was what I was looking for. Cause I'm kind of typing up notes and just saying like, okay, you guys kind of provide like a roadmap, like in order to establish a club, you need to do X, Y, Z or talk to this person or talk to this department. And then it sounds like Jacob is, is able to kind of guide you through that, as you said, and just kind of steer you and make sure you stay on course. But, um, is it, is it having an actual college student? Does that make or break whether or not this can happen? So for example, like the, the issue I had was uh, we just couldn't seem to find an ASU student that was willing to work through us and through Jacob. So that was part of the hangup. And obviously there are kids that go to ASU that play in our foam and, and social leagues. And I, I don't think it would be a, a huge lift to try to convince one of them to, to do the footwork for us and connect them with Jacob. But are, are there any instances where you've had clubs started or at least kind of initiated by non-college students? I.e. Old yeah. Guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kevin, you want to talk that one? Well, yeah, I would mention uh, this year, actually, we had a team, <clears throat> University of Cincinnati, that came to Nash. Was that, um, I'm not sure if you know who Wes Peters is. He also plays for Notorious. Um, yep. But he was a former NCDA player. He played for Central Michigan and Michigan State. And he graduated, got a job in Cincinnati. And he, he basically took it upon himself to put up some posters at each of those schools or flyers that just said uh, at Cincinnati and Xavier, the two main schools in, in the city of Cincinnati. And he, he just put up flyers that said, join uh, the National Collegiate Dodgeball Association, make a club team at your school, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it ended up working with Cincinnati and they had a team that made it to nationals. They've won a few games now. Uh, so they're a, pretty successful first year team but mm -hmm. yeah anything like that can work and i think it just comes down to having the initiative to put out flyers uh and understand what the next steps are once you have someone that does contact uh you or even uh i think a bigger thing would just be 
if there's someone that can be at that school, say Arizona State, for example, and going to those, uh, like the campus life uh, night or whatever it's called at, at that school where uh, all the different campus organizations have a table set up and all the new freshmen walk by and put their email in and in on a laptop if it's an organization that they might be interested in. That's a huge way to recruit. It's one of the main ways that our colleges recruit to their students. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, even if if someone's able to get an okay from that school to set up a table and they can work with the NCDA to be able to get that, um, that would be a huge success. You would get so many different names, uh, so many different emails, and then as long as you can secure a, a gym time, you can set up the first practice or tryout or whatever you want to call it and go from there. And I know in the yeah. past, Grand Valley's gotten hundreds of people to put in their email and, and show up to this this uh, first dodgeball night and then go from there and see who's more interested and who's not. But mm-hmm. I think that it just comes down to having people in different regions that are willing to do that, um, whether it's an alumni or people like you who are just interested in improving the sport and, and pushing it forward. That's That's the type of thing that is going to help us grow as a league at a faster rate than we already are uh, yeah. with the type of resources that we have. And it, and it also depends on the university too. Some universities are like, they're all in on club sports and they want Girl. clubs to succeed. So like Cincinnati has been great. Uh, their Cincinnati club sport director is actually a friend of mine from Western Kentucky. Um, and he actually was the ref, the head referee for the 2011 national championship game when Wes Peters uh, was on the, the central team that won. And so when Wes reached out to him and said, hey, I'm interested in starting a dodgeball club, this guy was all in. He's like, all right, great. Here are a few students that I know might be interested. So let's, uh, let's kind of attack it from there. And then you have other universities like Midland University in Nebraska. They had a, a pretty involved year. I think last year or the year before and where like their university, like from their official university Twitter, they were tweeting out about dodgeball. And and so like those types of universities are excellent because that just shows you get the support. You have uh, people invested in it from a higher level than just the students. And they're willing to work with people in the community, alumni, anything like that, that are, that want to help. Um, but then you also have other universities like, uh, Minnesota and Virginia Tech who are just like throwing up red tape all over the place and they just it's yeah, it's tough getting getting things going you're bringing back awful nightmares of my my previous job where you know we we sell um, a subscription as a service um, audiovisual mnemonic uh, platform to help med students and nursing students like solidify information that they got to remember and um, our part of what makes or breaks us is, is our was our ability to actually get on campus and present to the students and we'd have to like latch on to a student who is going to procure a room for us and, and basically let us mm-hmm. uh, pitch you know a sale a sales pitch to the students and some universities like we can only allow you to come during this time because we have to be you know fair we can't be partial or somebody like yeah come on you know feed my kids pizza and and talk them up and some some students are some schools are like on lockdown like you just good luck in through there and right. um, you guys are making me realize it's not as hard as um, as I thought it was. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't be just some creepy dude in a van saying, "Hey, kids, want to come with me and play dodgeball?" <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of. Um, I want to talk you're to you gonna right be now. A, you're going to be a creepy guy in a in like a Camry instead, right? 
<laughs> yeah, there's a there's a meme of Steve Buscemi with a backwards cap and a skateboard. He's like, "How do you do, fellow kids?" And yeah, I can, right. I can, I can, I can try to be like, <laughs> "Come with me to play dodgeball." But um, I might hit up Wes Peters and just be like, "Hey, man, like, what? Uh, how'd you pitch yourself?" Because if you, it, it's it's one thing to to sell something to the students where you kind of get that like, "Oh, I don't want to talk to you. You're just another vendor. You're just after the students' money." Versus, "Hey, I want to start a club and enrich their lives a little bit." And um, <laughs> Being that I've been playing dodgeball for quite some time, I can I would say I'm kind of an expert. And I can talk about it, so mm-hmm. I will have to uh, continue this conversation offline and, and try again. Um, but for anybody listening at this point, yeah, it, it doesn't sound like it's too hard. I mean, even if you know, for especially for league organizers, I mean, I, I can't think of a better way to to pull and bring in um, people into your rec leagues than college students. And if you can kind of figure out a way to partner with the NCDA or, or kind of u- utilize that, you know, set their club up, but also use them as a, like a feeder system or just as a way to get on campus and advertise. It's like a, a win-win situation. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Um, are there instances, are there instances of that where somebody that owns like a, or, or runs a regular adult for lack of better words, uh, social league also running congruent with a, um, um, or concurrently with an NCDA chapter? Like, do you guys know if that's been a thing in the past or, can players kind of go back and forth? Can they play in my Thursday night fun league, but still have their NCAA yeah. sanctioned practices? Definitely. I mean, that's what happens in, in Grand Rapids is some of those kids will play in the, in the um, I guess, the dodgeball night that they have there that isn't connected with Grand Valley at all. So And the, there's no I, taboo or no restraint from that? No, and especially over the summer when it's not even in season or maybe it's up a part of the season where maybe they don't get as many practices per week. It's something that they'll, they'll go to still. I think bottom line is being able to have a college team in your city is going to help the sport of dodgeball in that city mm-hmm. significantly. Um, both right, right then uh, during the first year of its existence, but especially over time. Um, just thinking about Grand Rapids again, as the example, so many of the people that go to those the Grand Rapids dodgeball night are just people that used to play for Grand Valley. Um, just various kids that stuck around in the area and still love the sport of dodgeball. They, they don't go to the college practices anymore, but they, they still are active in the dodgeball community. Nice. Within yeah. their city. And then even and like playing other, yeah, go ahead. I would say even like playing other forms of dodgeball. So like in Columbus, for some reason, foam is, is, bigger here uh there's a couple of ohio state players that i play with in a foam league and one of them is uh katherine mays who uh kevin you'll remember she was along with the goggles that dominated the women's game oh Um, yeah she she agreed that playing foam um in the off season helps her with her accuracy uh in in rubber because foam travels so uh, unpredictably that learning how to control the foam throw will oh, does luck. translate pretty well to controlling a, a rubber ball. Yeah. I, um, I'm starting to like foam more and more, but when mm-hmm. I initially saw it and we kind of talked about this last week, he's like, okay, at the end of the day, even though I hate foam, it sucks. I'm still playing dodgeball. So I'll just, I'll just take that. And then, as I was playing more and more, I was like, okay, maybe my throwing isn't as great. My catching sucks, but at least I'm dodging and I can kind of take away from that and slowly build off of that. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, you know, we have foam going on. We have no sting. 
that's a primary thing right now in Phoenix. Um, in fact, that's like the only thing that exists. But you know, the the students, assuming they actually do join, you know, they they would probably start from pinch, but they have the option to play foam on their mm-hmm. off nights. And um, again, it just it just points back to at the end of the day, are people playing dodgeball? Yes. Okay, then dodgeball wins. Doesn't really necessarily matter how, as long as it's not right. cloth. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, that that's when it's it goes bad. But I guess that was another question too. Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of thinking out loud too because I'm, I'm really, really thinking about this. But um, do would we have? Let's say we do get a, a chapter set up. Would they have to play eleven on eleven pinch eight point five? Like that's pretty much a requirement. Right? Is that fair to say? Um, so it's not really. It's it's only required if you play another NCDA school by NCDA rules. If you want to, uh, like uh, Oregon. Is it Oregon State and Gonzaga? They're in the NCDA technically. They've played against each other with NCDA rules, but they play in other leagues. They play uh, No Sting and I think Foam also. Right. And that's totally fine. We have University of Illinois or Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. They play Foam, but they'll hop in an NCDA game every once in a while. That's totally fine. I don't really care. More dodgeball is better dodgeball. But if you're playing an NCDA sanctioned event, you just have to play by our rules. Right. But let's get you established first, then we'll worry about, you know, the the specifics later, unless you guys want to mm-hmm. come to the nationals. Yep. All right. Yeah, and St- Stevenson University, um, Chris DeJesus started that club up, and they did the exact same thing. They were a foam club, um, but they would still come in and play. Uh, by the NCDA rule set when they would play against our other teams. So, um, and it helped their club just joining the NCDA and having that option as well, help their club grow too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I, I also imagine like if, um, if I do reach out to, to the director or athletic, per, whoever it would be. And I say like, Oh yeah, we're actually part of the NCDA and they see this massive organization that that can like, they couldn't hurt you. I imagine that that just helps even more. Yeah, yeah definitely. Dang, okay. Um, and then even better, like if you're starting a new team, so the NCDA does have annual dues, but for your first two years as an NCDA team, uh, we don't charge dues because we know that the money needs to go towards building the club. And so um, so that's also a benefit. Like it's literally free to join the NCDA. It's the only stipulation is you have to play by our rules when you play in our events. But if you want to play in other events, go for it. Yeah. Nice. Well, like I said, I'm going to have to revisit that conversation with Jacob and, and see um, what I can do on mine. Just because, again, from an old man's perspective, I just I just want to see it grow and I want to see replacements. I want to see uh, when I'm done playing, I want like five or six players to take my spot. It's the only way it's going to continue to thrive. Um well, I appreciate that. And that was definitely, you know, not really so much a recap portion, but I definitely wanted to talk about that in case, uh, you know, people that are listening are interested in, okay, how do we great, bring this great thing to, to our area? So I hope that if anything, maybe has more people reach out to you guys or, or answers any questions that, that they have or, or helps uh, with any reservations. But um, mm-hmm. actually, man, it would be sweet to have a West Coast region that's just booming. I know. It, yeah. And then CDA. That think, would be amazing. It's 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 there. I mean, just just thinking about the potential. Um, I think I think that like just the amount of support that if a couple of the 
people that are in that dodgeball community over there in, in Los Angeles area made teams at their schools if they were college students. I think it'd be awesome just because of the amount of sport that they would have. They'd probably get so many fans at their games. It would be so cool to see mm-hmm. it grow there. But and there are some universities out out here that have so much funding that they would they would fly the yeah. team out out there. So like Towson University and DePaul University, they both get a, a ton of funding every year, and it would be excellent to see those teams go out west and and, and basically bring up the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna dye my hair and and just go back to school. <laughs> For, for my master's or something. Um, yeah, I I, um, I could probably talk about this more, but I will. Uh, yeah, if if you're listening, you even have like an inkling of interest, I, w- I would strongly, strongly encourage, even plead, just to reach out to uh, to Jacob and and Kevin and Felix and just see what you can do. And if all it is is just an introduction, hey, I know a guy. Talk to this person. Who knows what that might in- might uh, accomplish? So. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, and if you're just the coach at the school, you still uh, you get free dodgeball out of that. You get to go to their practices and everything if they oh if you're God. recognized as the coach. So, I yeah. mean, that's another incentive right there. So you get to play. I'm a I'm a coach at Ohio State, and so I get free access to their gym all year round. Uh, and normally, it's like um, I think it's seventy five dollars a month if you're just a community member and you want gym membership there but so i get to not only play dodgeball with them but if i want to just go work out i can do that too for free this thing is selling itself so, um you get to play dodgeball felix, doesn't look like felix this is that i do not <laughs> <laughs> but, but he could though he, i'm getting a little fat <laughs> but but he could if you wanted to it's there it's it's available to him mm-hmm. that's awesome sorry felix <laughs> it's okay. I know it. I made the joke earlier, so huh, you just stole it. <laughs> I mean, we're getting like the I think like the biggest rivalry rivalry that I know of between two teams. Like, obviously, there's got to be some jabs. I, I you guys behaved really well last last week, so um, uh, I'll <laughs> that's fair. It. Alrighty, so yeah, I definitely wanted to, like I said, spend some time talking about like recruiting, how that would look, and how that would work, but. Um, I, I did want to go into one more thing, and, and Hunter brought this up. He he mentioned when I kind of asked him what's next for the NCDA, he mentioned like a leadership conference, and um, he, he kind of hit like the high level aspects of it. But Felix, do you kind of want to go into that just real quick before we uh, we move on or wrap up? Yeah. So like one of the incentives that we want to do to bring people to this leadership conference because we really feel like it's going to be a value. You'll learn how to uh, better run your clubs, um, how to stay organized, how to do better recruiting, fundraising. Uh, get reach out and get sponsorships, um, all of that jazz. But what, one of the incentives to get people there is we're going to host a, a tournament too. It's going to be a different style of dodgeball than, than what's currently out there. Um, it'll be close to the NCDA, but uh, we're looking at playing uh, nine versus nine or 10 versus 10. We haven't really decided on that yet on a, I, I believe on a full-size basketball court, uh, we may um, cut it down a little bit on the width, but we want to play as close to NCDA style as possible, but with uh, a different spin on it. But one cool thing is we want to do 
registration as teams of six. So a team of six, like the Columbus Gamecocks will register and also Cleveland State will register and Cleveland State University will bring six people. What we'll do is we'll throw all of those teams of six, whether they're NCBA teams or elite teams, into a hat and then draw names out of the hat. Well, those two teams that we pair up together will form a team and they'll be asked to play with each other oh, cool. for the rest of the day. So it could potentially be like Miami University with Dynasty or uh, Ohio State University with Michigan State, uh, Boosh with Riot. Like it just, huh. it, we're really happy, uh, happy for this because I, I, I feel like it's, it's going to be a new style of ball. Uh, but, I, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And I think that the NCDA captains were really going to go for it because uh, in July when we host this, they're really starting to itch for more dodgeball. They're, they're missing it. They want to get ready for the next season. So um, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And where is this going to be at? Um, we're still working on location. Gotcha. It's split between two different places. So it's either going to be at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio, or University of Akron in Akron, Ohio. And that's because those are, it's close to the geographic center of the NCDA. And there hasn't been a elite style tournament in uh, Ohio this year. We had one last year in uh, Zanesville, Ohio. So we wanted to kind of bring that back and get some elite exposure as well as NCDA and kind of introduce some of the NCDA captains who aren't playing elite to the elite players. And then also kind of do what we did with, with you just in the, the last segment where we're introducing elite players who are not from the NCDA to the NCDA and see how they can get involved. Nice. See, look at that. It's, it's working out really well, Tyler. <laughs> the charged questions and accusations of not playing along. Um, I'm kidding. Yeah, we're all friends. Yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> Except Kevin. Kevin sucks. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm 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 Team Kevin. I think he's a really swell guy. Um, all right, sorry guys, I gotta go. Say <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> um, so that's awesome. Yeah, so I look forward to that um, in July, and then also I think you. Um, just to kind of retouch on what Hunter said, in addition, there's going to be like advice on how to potentially run the clubs, how to run practices. He even said like how to look at film and apply it to practice and how to like actually f- view film, which was which is crazy um, that we're at that point now. But it mm-hmm. uh, sounds like a pretty awesome event. And um, I guess at this point, I really just want to kind of get your final thoughts. I mean, just kind of looking back at everything, looking back at this past weekend, uh, this past season, um, and we'll start with you, Kevin. Like, what are your, I guess, like, what do you want to leave off of, uh, at least with this episode? Yeah, well, thank you again uh, for having us on. We appreciate it, talking about our league and dodgeball in general. But it was an amazing season for the NCDA, and uh, every single year Nationals comes around. And after Nationals, I, I become even more convinced by just how how much success the sport of dodgeball can have and how much success college dodgeball specifically can have uh, just after seeing how awesome the event was and how many people are so passionate about the sport. So we're kind of riding a high right now. I know we're exhausted. Felix is definitely exhausted uh, the week after nationals, but 
we're so pumped just by uh, the, where the league is at right now and where we're headed. So awesome. it's an awesome time to be involved with dodgeball. And yeah, we're excited to move on to playing elite now. Um, now that the NCAA is officially over, we can start uh, focusing more on that for the rest of the summer. But yeah. Awesome, man. So you're exhausted, but in a, in a good way. A, a good, in a good way, definitely. Good exhausted, for sure. Awesome. How about you, Felix? Uh, final thoughts you want to leave leave us with? Um, really, I just, I don't know. It, it, this is weird for me because this is my last season in a leadership position with the NCDA. And so I'm happy to be leaving it. Um, where are the organizations at? I feel like over the last nine, ten years, I've, I've put a lot into it. And... I just hope that that uh, other people are are going to step up and continue on the path because, like Kevin said, we're we're at a really exciting time for the NCDA. We're we're seeing alumni staying involved more so than we ever have before, um, showing up to games, showing their support for their alma mater, um, kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of celebrating that legacy that you were talking about earlier, Steve. And I just. Um, I'm excited for the future of dodgeball. And I think that the NCDA is in a great position to kind of be the feeder for the rest of uh, dodgeball in the United States. And so as long as we keep getting continued support from the universities, from alumni, just from interested dodgeball parties like yourself, I really feel like um, dodgeball in the United States is, is going to continue to flourish and, and be in a, a better position. So I guess my closing closing thoughts are just to like keep playing and uh, more dodgeball is better dodgeball. It doesn't matter which version you feel is better. Try them all out. Don't hate so much on the different ball types um, except cloth. Yep. And, <laughs> and just, um, I don't know. We, we, we should, keep striving for that, that oneness mentality and just know that, that every form of dodgeball is helping others as long as people continue to have open minds and are willing to try out new things. For sure. Yeah. Well said. I mean, I, I've said my piece about legacy and, um, if you, if you don't feel it now, as you get older, you'll understand. I'll just leave it at that. But, um, mm -hmm. Kevin, real quick, um, where do we find the NCAA? I just heard about this podcast for the first time. How do I get more information? How do I follow you guys? What outlets do you have? <laughs> what content is there? How do I just stay, stay in touch? Good question. So check us out on Facebook, uh, National Collegiate Dodgeball Association, Twitter, uh, College Dodgeball, or N at NCDA Dodgeball, and then uh, YouTube as well, NCDA Dodgeball. And, of course, Check out the website to see all the cool content we have, especially in the coming weeks, ncdadodgeball.com. We're going to have a lot of cool stuff coming out post-nationals um, with all the, the All-American team, the All-Nationals team, uh, top recruiting classes in the country this year, uh, all-region teams, stuff like that. We're going to have uh, a lot of different things coming out. And then, of course, uh, make sure to check out uh, Mad, Mad City's twitch this saturday because they will be doing a rebroadcast of championship sunday from nationals and 
they're going to be cutting it down, trimming out sort of the breaks in between. But uh, if you're wondering about college dodgeball and you want to see more, there's no better place to go see what we're all about than to check out that rebroadcast. We're going to have more info on that coming soon, but uh, Mad City's Twitch channel is where they're going to sh share it. Um, and that's going to be an awesome, awesome thing to see too. So, mm -hmm. And I, I just want to give a huge shout out again to uh, Eric Boyer from Mad City and then Brian, I, I cannot pronounce his last name. So. <laughs> <I was laughs> Brian from, try. yeah, I'm going to try. I think it's Kakashio. <laughs> I doubt that's yeah, it. That sounds like fun. But whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so Brian from Mainstream Media, they really, their teams did an excellent job this weekend. They blew oh, us yeah. out of the water and they, they helped us uh, actually show what college dodgeball is all about. Um, just the different angles they were able to hit. We have a camera that's able to get the entire court in one shot, which has never happened before. And so it's absolutely incredible. Uh, they did a phenomenal job, and I'm really excited uh, for their product and the rebroadcasting on Saturday. So everyone, please check out Mad City's Twitch this Saturday and watch some college dodgeball. Some of the best games to look out for are the, the final four match Um Grand Valley versus Central Michigan, and then the final game, Grand Valley versus Towson University. But really, every game that that they uh, that they showed was uh, really solid. For sure, guys, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, for coming back on for your time last week um, and this week, and then also all the the banter in the group chat. It was it's it's awesome learning more about it and. Um, Obviously, I'm very monotone person, but I'm, I'm really excited to see what the future has in store for the NCDA and how we can bring that my way and uh, just, you know, get to that point where dodgeball is flourishing even more so than it is already. And again, Felix, we, we know about the, the dark days, so we want to get as far away from those as mm -hmm. possible and just, uh, heck, if it's foam, rubber, pinch, 11 on 11, 2 on 2, whatever. At the end of the day, if you're playing dodgeball, it's, it's a good day. So I'll... Um, I'll leave it at that, guys. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, let's go ahead and end the interview, end the interview there. All right. So that was uh, basically part two of the uh, National Collegiate Dodgeball Association uh, championships that took place uh, last weekend. And I, I don't even know what to say. Um, I'm bummed I could not be there in person to watch this happen. Um, I'm already looking forward to the next one. If I'm not there, in person, I will absolutely be glued to my television or stream or wherever I can see to watch these um, colleges and see how much they've developed over the course of a year and see if Towson's going to be able to to stay on top. Um, it was incredible getting to know these teams, understanding the dynamics and the nuances between them and just really giving me a reason to, 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 to care. Um, the fact that some of these teams have been around for well past... Um, most elite based teams now is also pretty incredible and the, the the ability to to go to these events and see and say this is my alma mater like this is my team that i played on three four years ago is pretty powerful um especially with elite because teams are constantly shifting rosters or shifting brand and while there's nothing wrong with that it's just the ncda provides a sense of longevity that i think uh people my age probably really appreciate at this point especially after all we've been through with uh with the dodgeball world and its development uh since 2005 and um 
anyway, huge congratulations to Towsend. Huge thank you to to Hunter Ford and Felix Peroni, Kevin Bailey, and Jacob Lesky for for coming on and helping me understand what was going to go down this past weekend a lot more. Setting the preface for the the, the coming week and um, yeah, just just being great sports and and just really helped me understand the NCAA that much more. Um, I'm really excited to see what I can do on my end to see if we can get some NCD action down here in Arizona. I know it's been attempted before. I definitely tried last year and hit a brick wall, but um, I want to move around that wall and figure it out. So anyway, if you're still listening, thank you so much for your questions as always, for your support, for your feedback, for your encouragements. Um, I love everything about this podcast from concepts to final products. Um, this has been a complete joy and being able to expand into the NCDA um, has been very very awesome for me so i'll just uh, i'll leave it at that so um if you're still listening have a great uh rest of your evening a great weekend and we'll catch you next time okay three two oh. all right let me uh I have my video also distracted looking at myself.